0: From 4th, this is So What Do You Do? podcast. When someone tells you what they do for work, do you ever secretly think, okay, but what do you actually do? I'm Ellie, and you, my friend, are in the right place. We interview everyday professionals from all positions in all industries. So sit back, relax, and learn where you too can thrive in a 9 to 5. Today, we are speaking with Danielle. Danielle, also known as Danny for me, is a mortgage banker at Ameris Bank. And she has built a successful career helping others leverage wealth to achieve their personal goals. Danny graduated from the University of Georgia with a degree in financial planning. Five years after graduation, she has achieved a wide range of professional success throughout the Southeast. She's earned national recognition as one of Prudential's Financial's top rookies in her role as a financial consultant and has developed executive compensation plans at The Home Depot. She's also now guiding people through their biggest financial purchases ever, their homes, in her current role with Ameris Bank. Danny's exceptional people skills and a heart for authentic service is the foundation of why everyone should mortgage with Mobley. You guys are going to love Danny. You're going to love this conversation. I hope you enjoy. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. We have Danny on the phone, and so Danny, without any further ado, please introduce yourself and tell us what do you do.
1: Hey, Ellie. So, um, for all of you guys listening, I do want to say if you're trying to look me up. I'm actually under Danielle Mobley. It's my professional name. Um, But Ellie and I have had the pleasure of knowing each other since high school. So I go by Danny here. Um, I am a mortgage banker and I work at Ameris Bank. And so I um, help people achieve the American dream of becoming a homeowner.
0: Amazing. I love this. Okay. And I think myself included, I am a newly home fun friend and I knew absolutely nothing about mortgages. I knew nothing about home loans, nothing. And so for someone like me or for someone in college, I'm sure your role is probably intimidating because they're thinking, gosh, I don't own a home. I know nothing about mortgages. So this is probably not the profession for me, but I would love to like completely debunk that today and get into what you actually do. But before we go there, let's hear a little bit about your story. And yes, I'm going to call her Danny, but her professional working name and where you can find her after this is Danielle, and we'll talk about that at the end. But let us in, like what did you study in school? Where did you go to undergrad? And what were like those first couple steps right out of college?
1: So I'm going to be totally candid with you, Ellie, as I always am. Of course. I went to University of Georgia, um, and I had a ball my first two years, and um, I always have had a love for finance. You know, my dad and I kind of grew up just reading books on the stock market and things like that, but I um, plummeted my DPA effectively my first semester freshman year, and so from there, I felt a little lost and was just trying to figure it out. And um, University of Georgia then had a new program called Financial Planning. And that is the personal finance side instead of a more corporate side. And I took some of those intro classes and I fell in love. And um, it's funny when you get involved in something that you truly like clicks in your brain, it's, it was day and night. I went from barely scraping by in college to Dean's List overnight. And so it just gelled. Um, and from there, you know, I went and I started working at Prudential Financial as a financial consultant in Atlanta. And then, um, I transitioned to actually work at Home Depot in the HR department. So I had a couple of positions before I've been in mortgage. Um, and I have loved it. And at the very heart of everything I've done or who I am as a person, it's been people. Who can I talk to? Who can I I chat up? My, um. My college job was a bartender, so um, you know I am a different kind of achiever, if you will. I love as many people as I can talk to, and while making money, I would—that's my the name of my game.
0: I was gonna say you. I I love your story, and I'm I love hearing the pivot game because that is that is the landscape of the anyone's career path these days, especially mine included and I love that you say, I love working with people and making money. I I need to give a little bit of backstory because I know Danny so well from high school. We would go to the pool over the summer. Again, like I think we were juniors in high school and Danny would just, we would all just be kind of hanging out and Danny would be like, okay guys, let's think of our next business venture. Like you wanted to talk business and numbers. And at the time I was like, This girl is going places. So I love that you are now in business working with people and really seeing different pieces of your personality come to life in that way. So I love that. Okay. You went to UGA, you had a blast, like many of my listeners probably did as well. Um, Your GPA may have um, taken a toll from that or may have taken a hit and you really dug in deep those last two years to say, okay, where do I go from here? Where do I take my passions of finance and my background? Um, I know your dad as well, your background of finance and really make it work for me and also be a passion of mine. So I love that. So you said you you then went to Home Depot and were working in the HR department. Um, tell explain kind of what happened next um, and include any sort of personal anecdotes to this and what really led you to your role today.
1: So, um, you know, my wedding hashtag was city life to farmer's wife. So I'm a suburban girl at heart. I lived in Atlanta for um, three years post-grad. And um, I fell in love with a man that's from a small town in Georgia called Moultrie, Georgia. And that's where I reside um, today. So his family owns some agricultural businesses that when we started dating, I knew that that would be um, the end all. There is no um, corporate relocation for him. This is where we're going to set up our roots. So when I came down here, it was a completely different culture shock. I thought I was going to be doing the game like, I thought I was going to have chickens in the yard. Like, I really was trying to lean into it and just realize, you know, that's not me. And that's okay that that's not me. And that's, you know, that's also not this community. I don't want to paint it in the wrong light. It's very much a a suburban feel. I live in a neighborhood. Um, But from Home Depot, you know, I went from a stable salary and things like that. And then coming down here, I did take a couple of months to figure out um, you know, what are, what am I doing? And the job market in a small town is different. The landscape is different in how you do business and how you find business is drastically different than you might see in a, in a bigger city. So, I mean, there's a lot of just getting out, talking to people, joining junior women's leagues, um, United Way, doing philanthropic things just to get to know the community and see like who I might run into. Um, and that's how I got this mortgage position. It just kind of popped up. The mortgage division was growing, the bank was growing, and um, they wanted to kind of tee themselves up to have a successor in the community once um, the other lender decided to retire.
0: That's awesome. Perfect. And I, I love the aspect of getting involved in the community because I find this a lot. That was partially my story moving from Atlanta to Baton Rouge. And figuring out what my career moves were going to be, and and like you said, you know, people have a certain image always before they move somewhere, like, oh, I'm going to have chickens in the farm, and you're like, first of all, that's not me, but that's also not the community that you move to. There, It is a thriving economy, um, and that's that's what people will find across the board when they move places that they didn't know of before. Um but you, like you said, you got plugged into the community, both from a giving back perspective, from a volunteer perspective, and just from a network perspective, which I think is hugely beneficial for my audience to hear, whether you're in a new city or not. If you're looking to grow your career, getting involved in giving back is probably step number one, if not closely step number two. So that's perfect. So let's transition into your role now, which you said you're doing mortgages. You do, you, are, you are a mortgage banker. So for, for myself and for everyone listening, tell me, what do you actually do? What does that mean? And what does your everyday kind of look like?
1: My everyday is all over the map. And um, to not oversimplify my job, because it is a big role, but Truly, Ellie, I'm a people person. I'm an advocate for my borrowers internally, but I'm also an educator for them. I never, ever, ever want a borrower to sit down at closing with a stack of papers that they don't understand each and every number that goes into it. And it's really not overly complicated. And, and you probably know this being through the multiple roles you've been in professionally, every company is going to train you on what you need to know for that specific role. So I had no clue. I wasn't a homeowner when I first started this job and I had no clue what went into a mortgage. And I learned that as I went. So what is an interest rate? That's how much you're going to pay the bank to lend you money per the different durations. Now, the biggest thing is I just talk to people, you know, what are your goals? You know, what do you want? If you want a family and you want to keep your monthly payments low, then let's do that. Let's accomplish that. And let's look at what your options are, because there's always options. Um, And then, and then other than that, I really am just a community member. So I have the privilege of a lot of my job is volunteer work. A lot of my job is networking and just being there for the community and showing face and shaking hands when we're allowed to again. And, you know, giving a phone call to someone that you know, might've just had a recent death in their family and making sure that they're taken care of properly and being an advocate for my bank. So, um, it really is, it can be as complicated or as easy as you want to make it, you know, I'm kind of an entrepreneur in that way. I can make my business as big as I want to and have my own team and, um, a whole set of people under me, or I can stay where I want to be in just myself and just grow
0: that way. So it it's kind of an interesting That's model so cool. Business. It is yeah. an interesting model and per my per my story, my anecdote at the beginning, I've always seen you as an entrepreneur and have that entrepreneurial spirit. So to take that into a I use air quotes here, 9 to 5 and and really what that means is taking it into your profession is an amazing opportunity. I I had recorded a podcast with my dad, a bonus episode where he spoke about being in sales. And my dad is someone who is extremely entrepreneurial, but he took a different approach and just said, I want to run my, my business. I want to be in charge of um, what I get to bring in every day, but I'm going to approach it in a different way. I'm not going to make a product. I'm not going to sell a service necessarily. I'm going to I'm going to make my own income by selling. And and that's very similar to what you're doing, but you even have more of a serving people mentality and even more okay. of a linking arms with your customers and with your clients when they're making a massive life decision um, okay. in terms of buying a home. so when you you said a word earlier, and I just want to make sure I'm clear uh, is you said, I sit down with my borrowers. The borrowers are the home purchasers, correct?
1: Correct, correct. So, my borrowers, clients, um, the everyday individual that wants a home that's who I'm talking about. So, I'm basically a messenger. You know, I help create the overall shell of what they want to accomplish. So, um, the duration of their loan, the pricing of their loan, and all those nitty gritty details for them. We have systems that run that. So, again, it's not an overly cumbersome thing to learn by any means. It's really My job is communication, 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 and knowing yourself, I can wake up at noon and then shut off at three. Now, am I going to be successful? No, and and is my reputation that I'm going to be reliable and during this big purchase purchase for someone? Good, like not really, you know? So I don't have a nine to five. If someone's looking for a job that they can truly shut off at the end of the day, um, I would say, financial services, any of it, it's just not for you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're dealing with someone's personal finances, uh, when I was at Prudential or with Ameris, there is no vacation. There is no walking away. Mm-hmm. Um, I even tell my clients, I understand that your job takes you to 5 PM. That means my job really starts at 5 PM. Right. So I'll do a lot of paperwork through the day. I'll do marketing, um, things throughout the day. I'll spend maybe an hour or two with my son through the day because I know I might miss out on fast time that night. Mm -hmm. Um, But overall, you know, it's fun. I'm glad that people feel comfortable texting me at 10 p.m. at night. Yeah, You know, I tell them, like, don't go to bed with a question in your head. (laughs) Don't do it. Put it in my phone. Get it off of your desk so that it's my job now to make sure that you're getting the responses. You need a lot of people lay down, you know this, Ellie, you and Robert, you know, you get together at the end of the night and you lay down for bed. And that's when you start talking about your personal life, you yeah. know, that you allow that time to catch up. So um, with when dealing with the general public and not a corporate sense, it's good to keep in mind that there really is no boundaries.
0: <laughs> right. And, and I, that's a really refreshing perspective too, because I sometimes can get hard on myself with texting my clients at 10 o'clock or, you know, responding to their texts at 10 o'clock at night or checking my phone late. And I think it's just because I I love what I do. It sounds like you love what you do and you, you understand the cycles of what your customer is dealing with, which is their own lives, their own businesses and buying a home or figuring out their mortgage is in addition to all of that. So it may happen Mm -hmm. at night over dinner where they're having a conversation and you're like, Hey, I'm here. Text me, call me if you need me. Um, I understand that it's not going to fit within a nine to five. Um, but to your point, the flexibility of that and knowing the cycles of your business and knowing today, I'm going to spend a little bit more time with my son during the day. I may take a longer lunch. I may take off a little bit of the morning because I know I'm going to be out of pocket tonight. I'm going to be meeting with a, with a customer etc etc so that's that's
1: absolutely it's all setting expectations you know no one i have yet to come across someone that's overly angry with me for saying hey i just want to let you know i'm at a doctor's appointment from 2 to 3 p.m and i'll call you at 3 30 to allow them some wiggle room Mm -hmm. so uh, you know if my borrowers really are um you know just like personalities i deal with all different spectrums some people want me nothing to do with their lives They want me to tell them the details and then be done with them. It's transactional to them. And some people want me to be a big sister, a best friend, a cheerleader. They want me to be home buying with them right Mm -hmm. along the side of them. I'm happy to do whatever anyone needs me to do in this capacity. And I think that might be probably the trickiest part of my job is figuring out where to toe the line Mm -hmm. per each individual because not every individual wants the same treatment and you don't want to bombard someone that really doesn't want you in their life that much. And you don't want to be super laid back with someone that really needs you to be right in step next to them the entire time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just evaluating different people's personalities in a split second when you meet them is really essential to being successful.
0: Right. That's a great point. And it's meeting your customer where they're at, which I think Mm -hmm. you mentioned it. That's a lot in financial services in general. That's not just with mortgages. So I think that's good to kind of keep in the back of anyone's mind who's thinking about entering this world. It's definitely, you have to be agile with your customer and meet them where they're at. Um, That really leads me to my next question. Um, My next two questions. I, I always like to get this perspective from all my guests. What is your favorite part of your job today? And then on the flip side of that, what's the most challenging? Like, what makes you sit down at the end of the day saying, wow, this, it was a long day. Like it was a long one. Kind of paint us that picture of what are those two different things?
1: They're the exact same thing rolled into one because at the end of the day, to me, money is my motivation. (laughs) (laughs) It just is, you know, some people are really motivated by gardening. Some people are really motivated by exercise. I'm motivated by money. It's just the plain and simple truth. And so for me having a commission job, that is my favorite part of the job. There's that hustle. I can make as much money as I want to make in a year. But that's also the pit because I give the same service no matter what. And sometimes it just doesn't work out for whatever reason. Maybe I just wasn't someone's flavor, or something changed in their financial picture to to have the loan fall out of my pipeline. Um, And a pipeline is just um, the stack of, Borrowers, I have at any given moment from pre approval, where you're thinking about shopping for a home to um, buying the home and closing on the home. So, just to kind of clarify what I mean by my sales pipeline. Um, but, you know, that's the best and the worst part, you know. And you, my heart hates it for the things that I have to the bear of bad news, if you will. That's the worst part. Having mm-hmm. to call someone and say, listen, like that house, it did not, it did not appraised so I don't want to say I'm trying not to make it too technical with people who aren't familiar but basically we have a third party of an appraiser go out and what their job is is they value the home of what the market value is they compare it to other um, homes that have sold in the area recently and then they measure the house and look at the structure and things like that Mm -hmm. and sometimes those appraisals come in low And if those appraisals come in low, that's my job to kind of work with the borrower and decide, do you want to come up with the cash difference? Or do you want to walk away from this house? And sometimes that is a really heartbreaking, you know, conversation. But on the flip side, it's the best to be like, hey, your appraisal came in high, you get 30 grand of instant equity. Yeah, no, that's like,
0: I think it's easy to look at your job in a lens of, someone wants to buy a house, Um, they need money to from the bank, obviously to borrow, and they're going to put down a certain amount of down payment. Okay, great. You help them through that process. But there are things that will be out of your control, and out of the buyer's control. And that's an emotional process for anyone who has bought, purchased a house, they understand, but if you haven't purchased a house, it's hard to explain that you're kind of waiting in limbo. You're, you're praying and hoping that all these things come together and that someone views your home at the same value that you decided to buy it at and hoping that that all matches up alongside working with realtors and lenders and all these different people. And so when you say you're like linking arms with your customers, that is no joke because it really is an emotional roller coaster. It's like a financial counselor at this point, like and a absolutely, therapist.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I've sat down. I've almost had marriage counseling sessions with couples about money. I have the keys to someone's home, so I see their entire financial picture. And it doesn't matter if um, they're a 50-year-old first-time homebuyer, and I might be the only financial um, advisor type of person that they've ever come in contact with, and that they ever will come in contact. with. Mm-hmm. So it's a much broader scope of the range of people I'm able to help and educate on not only homes, but my financial planning background and educate them like, Hey, you have this debt. Are you aware what life insurance can do for you? You know, I see this money sitting in the bank. Is that earmarked for something? Or have you talked to a financial planner about how that might be able to grow faster for you than if it's sitting in a CD based off of your You know, risk tolerance that I've gotten to know. So I don't give advice ever, but I just try to prompt my um, borrowers into thinking a little bit more deeply about their finances than just uh, my house. That's my only investment and I'm done.
0: Right. And your background leads to that knowledge as well. I would say your experience with Prudential and and the financial planning degree, like that really allows you to serve in so many other ways. So I would say too, if anyone is listening where they're, maybe they're studying finance and they don't want to go work um, in a corporate nine to five financial role, but they are kind of lost on what they want to do next, I would say two things. One thing is clearly you can change your mind. You can jump into a role and pivot and just keep learning and keep growing. It sounds like you went from a financial um planning role to a HR role. Now you're in mortgages. So clearly this this stuff happens all the time. But also there are other ways to be in the financial space, use your degree, use your passion for money and the finances and have your own business and be entrepreneurial too and, and sit in a different space. Absolutely.
1: Perfect. If Home Depot taught me anything, it was that um, I should never be sat in front of huge spread, spreadsheets. I can do it. It's just not where my heart lies. It was just, you know, it it wasn't firing me up. And other parts of that role really did. Mm-hmm. And you know, every phase of life, you kind of interview for different things for different reasons. And that's why you I move companies. Not because mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a good experience, necessarily, but I was just looking for different things because my life phases were changing, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say, you know, when I was at Prudential, there was a point that I realized I think I'm too young. I graduated college a little early I was twenty one years old, trying to talk to Coke executives to let me manage their retirement funds. I mean, mm-hmm. I was their daughter's age they weren't mm-hmm. they weren't willing to take me seriously. Mm-hmm. Now I was still wildly successful in terms of the company, but it just was a mental toll I couldn't continue to bear. Yeah, and so I was like, you know, I want something stable, and that's why I went to Home Depot, and I love Home Depot as a company. I don't think I would have stayed on that team because I was starting to grow, and those managers molded me into someone that I was just becoming more self-aware. Mm-hmm. And I think that only happens with experience. You can't, you don't graduate college super self-aware of unless you have the experience to be like, oh, wait, I love this part of my personality. And I'd like to forget that this part of my personality exists.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I was actually speaking with a client of mine yesterday who is kind of walking through this similar path where she doesn't want to, you know, her fear is getting in a job that she doesn't love, right? And it's hard to explain sometimes that You're going to have jobs that you don't love, and that's part of figuring out what you do love. And I, one of the exercises we were working through was when you're approaching your interview, if you cannot explain who you are, why you want the job, and why you think you'll be successful in it, then that's probably not the job for you. If you can put words to that in preparation of your interview, then then it's at least worth a shot. You know, it still may not be Absolutely. your dream job, but you're at, you're at least consciously thinking, is this a good fit for me from a general perspective? And then taking it from there, learning what you can learn and then going on to the next opportunity.
1: Absolutely. And in interviews in general, like you've probably told your, your students this, that it's a two-way street. And I firmly believe that. I had never gone into an interview without interviewing them back. Because- I want to know, my dad told me this advice. It doesn't matter if you want to be, you know, a plumber, you can be the best plumber, which by the way, they make a lot of money these days. But but he said, if you aren't working for someone that is going to be a good mesh and a good leader for you Mm -hmm. and someone that you actually think you can work hard for, it's going to be a disaster no matter what. So, you know, I would always go in and say, hey, let me meet other people on your team. I want to, I want to know more about the office. So, you know, what, right. what's my lunch hour going to look like? Things yeah. that are important to me. I mean, I, I saw the two um, cafeterias at Home Depot, Ellie. And I literally told, I have no chill. I have no chill. I told this director, I said, oh, wow, two cafeterias, sign me up. <laughs> he was like,
0: <laughs> like, what is wrong
1: Love with you. <laughs> And she got the job. I, I, everybody,
0: she got the job. Yeah, so take a note. Be yourself. <laughs> be your authentic self. You know,
1: yeah. my mom laughs because she's like, "You, you." And I wrote this when I when I was prepping for talking to you today, just because I know I'm so severely ADHD. But um, I, you know, you said, "You know, what do you do? How have you gotten to where you are?" And really and truly. So many small failures that have just led me to a good, successful career. And I fail every day. I don't, you know, and I'm really, I own that. And I think that if you're honest with the fact, everyone fails. And so I just laugh about it though. That's just my personality. I just
0: find humor in my own self. But it makes you so relatable and people want to spend time with you. I know that's the that's how I feel about you. And I, I clearly am in the same, we have similar friend groups and things like that. And we all feel that way, but I do think it comes from a place of authenticity, which is really the key there. Right. It's like, you can't, you cannot fake being Danny. You cannot fake being me. You can't fake being your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you have to be who you are. And it'll just, that'll just cover everything. Yeah totally
1: if you're super analytical just lean into that you know oh, yeah whatever and whatever maybe your childhood kind of showed you you know of who you were as a child you know we look back at high school and even before high school I was creating business plans and talking to people and things and it's like I really think that a lot of times our most authentic characteristics are shown when we're in high school and elementary school and so if we just ask our parents or people who are surrounded us, you know, what was I like as a kid? They might give us just those exact personality traits that we need to continuously lean into. And that's what's going to make us successful.
0: Amen, Danny. Literally, we should just stop. We really should stop the podcast here because that is the (laughs) punchline of all punchlines. But we're not going to because (laughs) I need to get the goods from you for my audience, for my listeners. I get this question all the time. Yes, this sounds amazing. That job sounds so cool. But they're they feel a little bit either too young or they don't know what that next step is for them. So, I ask you, if you were a young person and you were graduating college, listening to this conversation and they wanted your job in 5, 10, 15 years, whatever that landscape may look like, what is the best next step for them today or upon graduation? Um Take a personality test
1: for my job, personality. That's going to be the key. If you're someone that really needs a lot of control in your life and you really, um, you might not even realize that you need that until you're in a role that just goes totally against the grain of who you naturally are. Um, Like I had mentioned earlier, I am very ADHD. And to me that works in my favor in a job like this, because I can be my authentic self, I can kind of be all over the map, juggling a lot of different things at the same time, and um, I just lean into those characteristics. I'm not overly um, type A, so I, I, you know, I'm learning those skills. But take a personality test. I think that that would be the easiest thing from your sofa today while we're in quarantine. You know, to try to figure out what you truly are. Ask people around you, and then if you're really interested in it, um, it doesn't matter age, experience. It, you you got to have the hustle, and mm-hmm. you got to kind of go in with a little bit of a savings account. I've got to be honest. Yeah. Because you know there is a ramp that you need to be able to afford yourself in whatever way that looks like, um, and you dive right in. But it it can be done by anyone. My manager quit um, college because he was already making six figures at nineteen years old. So why would he continue doing college when he didn't need to? Yeah. So there are, you know, there are stories like that. You can do whatever you want in this field. It's that's the exciting part about it. It's just, you got to be real with yourself and set, um appropriate expectations
0: mhm so for someone let's say they're listening and they that say i've got the hustle i'm ready to hustle but maybe they don't for whatever reason have um either a savings account or a spouse or whatever that may be which is the case a lot a lot of times in entrepreneurship too and and i was fortunate enough to have those things and so what would be a good kind of entry job Now that you're in mortgages, like what would be a good position for them to maybe consider that's a little bit more nine to five to get, to maybe help them build up a savings account um, or even just give them some insight of knowledge before they were to jump into mortgages?
1: Absolutely. There's a whole team behind me. So again, like I'm just a face, there's assistant roles that you can do so that you can kind of understand what the lender does themselves but you do more of the paperwork side of it. So the lender can go out and make sure that they're in front of people and constantly meeting with realtors and things like that. Um, There's underwriting roles you can go into to really learn the nooks and crannies behind it. Um, There's processing roles. I mean, there's really a lot of um, corporate jobs that you can get. I would say um, really any experience is gonna give you that, light to see if you can handle it. And at some point, you just got to jump. And I will say this, and a manager told me this, and I absolutely agree. It's much harder to go from a salary position to 100% commission if you're not used to that. Mm -hmm. So if you have nothing to lose. You don't have a husband. You don't have a wife. You don't have kids. You don't have a dog. You have truly no strings attached. I would say just go for it. -hmm. And and you know maybe pick up a bartending job at night or some other job that you can sell skinny tea on Instagram. I mean, do something
0: (laughs) else to give you like a little bit of income. Seriously, yeah. But
1: I would say jump right on it. I think
0: I think there's something to that, Danny. And it is harder to go from a set salary to commission because you're used to that safety net. Whereas if you, like you said, if you're coming out of college, what, what really do you need? You can eat ramen noodles for a long time, you know? And like you said, bartend at night, sell your clothes on Poshmark, like figure out a way to just make money on the side while you're hustling. And I think that if you stick with it long enough, like you said, build the relationships, it will come to fruition. It's just, it just may take time. Like you said. Absolutely.
1: Awesome. I will say this I would straight away for from side hustle that asks you to call on people for a product mm-hmm. because your um, legitimacy as a lender or a financial professional would be watered down because then they're like well are you what are you doing you know right. so-
0: the, and that goes to branding I would say like if right. that's if that's your brand and you want to continue with that MLM structure then that's probably more so the the path that you would want to pursue versus trying to pursue that path and pursue a relationship via a lending and mortgaging relationship right i mean that's kind of the vibe that i'm getting right definitely okay perfect well awesome well this was amazing danny what i'm going to do is i'm going to get all of your goods i'm going to get your linkedin i'm going to get your Business website, um, anywhere else that my folks can find you. Um, and I would just ask that if anyone's listening to this episode and they are inspired by Danny's story, they think she's just super cool and want to meet her, or just thank her for taking her time, um, and spending a spending it with us here at Fourth. Please reach out to her, send her a note on LinkedIn, just connect with her. I know that she would love it. And um, thank you for listening. Please do. Yeah, Danny.
1: My cell phone is my only
0: number. So I have it on my (laughs) website, you know, call me or text me. I really like, I welcome that. Awesome. Even better. This is going to be fourth gold. So if you want to connect with Danny, shoot her a text, she's the nicest. And, um, for our promo, I may be sharing some really fun photos of Danny and I from high school to get you guys excited and see what a mess we both were. So, um, it's, it'll be a good time, but thank you so much, Danny, for, um, spending today with us. And I hope everyone got something from it. I know that I sure did. Thanks for listening. If you loved this episode and are inspired by this nine to fiver, let us know, subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Screenshot this episode and tag us on social at 4th underscore LLC. We would love to hear what professionals and industries you want to hear from next. Want more career guidance, discovery, and inspiration? Be sure to visit our website, goforthllc.com, and browse our career downloads, read our blogs, and get inspired to go forth.